Good morning again. We're thankful for God's goodness in our lives. Amen. I'll respond by saying amen. Uh, today we're starting a new season uh, in the life of the church. Uh, and this season is called Advent. Uh, for those who have not grown up, uh, grew up in the church for the next four weeks, uh, we celebrate what is called Advent. And during this time, we are preparing ourselves uh, to preparing our hearts to celebrate the birth of Jesus uh, that we do on Christmas Eve services and things like that. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be uh, preaching and studying uh, about the angels that show up uh, in the Gospels, especially at the birth of Jesus. There are several angels and there are several stories that, uh, that are there in the first uh, chapters of the Gospels, especially Matthew and, uh, and Luke. And we're going to be looking at what these messages are for us uh, this day. Uh, these, um, uh, this sermon series is based on a book by Susan Robb, uh, who wrote Angels Among Us. And that is part of our uh, Advent Bible study as well. Uh, honestly, there is so much uh, that she goes into depth with, even though you might have heard a sermon about uh, the first uh, encounter of Zechariah. Uh, in Elizabeth, uh, there's so much more in our book, and I hope you will join one of those studies uh, as well. So, in uh, angels played a major part in Jesus' birth, uh, and we're going to be focusing uh, as to what that means for us uh, this day uh, and how we are called to live our life. So, in Luke chapter 1, the angels appears to uh, the prophet, uh, the priest, Zechariah, while he was in the Holy of Holies, uh, and he had a very special message for him in the temple. Would you pray with me this morning? God, may the words of my mouth uh, and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, our God and King. You all know um, that I talk a lot about my children. Uh, and I kind of want to frame this as to why I do that, uh, give the purpose behind it. It's not to that I'm um, here to stand and boast about them or brag about them, uh, even though I'm incredibly proud of my children. Uh, but I share this, these stories with you so that we can do life together so that you can hear a little bit about what it means to live and do life together uh, so that you kind of get a glimpse of what our life's experiences are and what Sunday worship is all about for us. Sunday worship, when we come together, we're coming together uh, so that we can learn from each other, so that we can look at the scriptures together, so that we can lift each other up, uh, so that we do life together. And that is the whole purpose um, of me sharing the stories about my kids. Um, and, uh, uh, and I'm grateful uh, for the lessons that my kids teach me, because I feel like uh, I'm, they make me a better Christian. Uh, and I'm just sharing uh, that with you uh, through their stories as well. You all heard me several times talk about my youngest son, Josiah, who's eight years old, uh, and he loves all things sports. He is always trying to come up with a new sport to play. Uh, and um, a year or so ago, he started playing kickball at school. And this was um, the reason he started playing kickball at school and he fully fell in love with it um, is because my wife would not let him play baseball. All right, that's a different story, another sermon for another day as to why we'll go into that. So anyway, so the next best thing is kickball. So he fell in love with kickball and he was one day trying to explain to me how at recess uh, kickball is played, like right across the street from here at Aston Elementary uh, School. 
And he was telling me he was so excited about his kickball. And he was telling me how they picked teams uh, and how he would do this and he would do that and all the rules. And he spoke with such great excitement. And when my son is speaking with great excitement, you don't understand a word he's saying. It's completely disjointed. There is no start. There is no end. And then, oh, by the way, this happened. And by the way, that happened. And even as he's telling this story about kickball and playing with his friends, there's a smile on his face. And I'm dying to ask a question. I am dying to ask a question. And as he's speaking, I want to interrupt him and say, ah, oh, Joe. But I'm like holding my breath. And I was like, I'm dying to ask this question, but I'm holding my breath. And he goes on to tell the story. He tells more about it. And I'm dying inside. I want to know something. What Josiah was describing to me that day was that him and his buddies figured out how to play pickup, kickball. I mean, how many of you played pickup? Some of you, for those of you not familiar with pickup, this is what happens. A bunch of kids, adults show up, basketball field, kickball, whatever, uh, and you pick teams. There are two captains usually, you know, and the captain says, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you. And then life is great and everybody plays. So the question I wanted to ask my son was this. When did they pick you? Right? When did they pick you? I was hoping, you know, what he lacks in size he can make it up in excitement about kickball. I, I wanted to know, desperately wanted to know, but I felt like it was better for me not to know. Right? Because sometimes when you get picked last, that's the worst. That really is the worst, to be picked last. You know, when you picked last, there's a pit in your stomach. And the only reason you got picked last is because one team has four, the other team has three, so they say, hey, why don't you come and play with me, right? You picked last. That's not a good feeling to be. Imagine being picked last. Imagine being that kid who wanted so desperately for someone to see him for just more than another body on the team. Being picked last. It's not a good feeling. Not a good feeling. Friends, sometimes I feel like life is a pickup game. Sometimes I feel like we're not being picked. Our hope is not becoming a reality. Our prayers are not answered, and we're waiting. We're waiting and waiting, and there is no answer. There is absolutely no answer. This morning, my question to you, to us, is are you waiting on an unanswered prayer? Are you saying something in these lines? It is November of 2022, and we hope by now we would. You fill in the blank. It is November of 2022. I hope by now this would have been accomplished. I hope this could have been done. Are you saying something like that? This could be related to your relationships or your health or your job. And there are times you've honestly prayed and prayed that prayer over and over again. 
and nothing has changed. Everything remains the same. This game called life, to be in that space is not a good place to be. That space that I'm describing, where we're hoping for something and nothing changes, is a place of despair. The challenge for us is, what do we do? What do we do in moments of despair? What is that you and I do in moments of despair? Do we stop hoping? Do we stop praying to God to show up in our life? Do we just give up and say, I'm done with this? Or do we still see God and hope that God in a miraculous way would show up somehow, some way, and what we are hoping for would come true? I would like you to identify where you are if you are going through despair. Have you stopped praying? Have you given up? Are you still praying that God will show up and do something that will blow your mind that only God can do? Where would you find yourself today? The scriptures that we read this morning speak of despair. They are not... This family was not picked to be on the team. Their hopes and dreams never came true. This is the story that we read from Luke chapter 1. We introduced this couple, and we learned that their names are Elizabeth and Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest, and very quickly, right into the story, we are told that they belong to a really good lineage. Their family is a family of priests. That means as a young man, Zechariah started working in the temple. He started doing things in the temple. And yet, they were not picked. A couple of verses into it, we are told that these are good people. The writer of the Gospel of Luke calls them righteous and blameless. And he says that they followed all the commands of God. These were good people. And yet, they were not picked. And yet, they were not picked. They wanted to have a baby, but they were infertile. They were not picked. A friend of mine told me this story of his experience with infertility. And the way he described it to me is like, Johnson, this is a monthly reminder for my wife and I that we are not going to have a baby. Each month, we're reminded that what we hope for, what we desire, what we long for more than anything else is not going to be a reality for us. We pray, we hope, we do what the doctors tell us to do, but then again, it's a reminder that our hope and our desires don't come true. I guess Zechariah and Elizabeth can join in with my friend in saying that this is a constant reminder of not being picked. Our hopes have not become a reality. My friend, when he was telling me the story, he was in his 30s. But Zechariah and Elizabeth, the couple that we're reading about, they've lived through this their entire adult life. 
They were not picked for years. One of the things that the gospel writers do, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke as well, and John, one of the tools that they, the way they tell the story, the fancy word is called typology. When the gospel writer is telling a story, what he wants you and I to do as we read the story, he wants us to remember somebody else from the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures. So when the gospel writer here, uh, Luke, who's writing this gospel, is telling us about this couple in their old age serving God, immediately we are to be reminded of other individuals who are in the Old Testament who had a very similar experience and God did something beautiful out of them. And the two that we are reminded of this morning are Sarah and Hannah. The fancy term for this thing is called typology. We are forced to think about them. When you think about, when you read about Elizabeth and Zechariah, we are called to remember about Abraham and Sarah because they were in the same place. But yet, both of them had a very different experience, Sarah and Hannah. Sarah, the story of the Hebrew people starts with Abraham, Sarah's husband, who heard God calling him. And God gave him two promises. He said, I'm going to promise you land, I'm going to give you land, and I'm going to give you a nation. The only problem was they, Abraham didn't have a son in order to continue on the lineage. So, in Genesis chapter 18, this is what we're told. There were three angels that showed up to Abraham's town. Abraham was sitting outside the city gate, and Abraham runs into these three strangers. The Bible tells us that they were angels. And they had no idea. Abraham had no idea. He invites them to come and be with them. He invites them to come and be with them and have dinner with them. And Abraham makes a big meal for them. Makes a wonderful meal. And the men are sitting outside the tent eating. And Sarah is on the other side of the tent overhearing the conversation. And one of the angels says to Abraham, Next year when I come, you're going to have a son. And to this, Sarah laughs. And for a moment, I want us to pause and think about what that laughter was all about. Was this like a sarcastic laughter? Right? Have you ever heard someone have a sarcastic laugh? You all didn't meet Erica Bascalia. You all need to meet her. She perfected it. <laughs> yeah, Nicole, that's your mom. Yes, <laughs> Nicole's sitting back there. Anyway, right? Like, <clears throat> okay. Right? That's sarcasm, right? Like, okay, I'm going to be a mom. I'm 90 years old, and you're telling me, okay, I'm going to be a mom. Or was this another kind of laugh? A laugh of like, oh, no way we're going that down. No way. No way it's going to happen. Heck no. you got to be kidding me. Have you ever had that laugh? Right? Someone says something and you're like, you just start laughing because how ridiculous it sounds. I wonder what laughter Sarah had. Because she was not picked for all these years. She was not picked for all these years. Was it? Sarcasm, Sar laughter, sarcasm, whereas laughter, I'm not opening that door again. And then we have Hannah. 
in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we kind of are introduced to Hannah. Hannah again is uh, told that she was barren. She desperately wanted, to ki wanted kids. And her despair was so great that every year she would go to the temple and cry. She would weep and weep and weep. There was a chief priest named Eli who was at the temple. And she was so heartbroken and in despair that she was weeping so much that the chief priest actually thought she was drunk. He couldn't even recognize her cries and her despair. And Eli says, next year, when you come back, you'll have a child. This morning, the question for us to consider again is, what, does, what do you do when you are in that space of despair, when your heart is broken and your prayers are not answered and you are not picked? Are you like Sarah, who laughs, either out of sarcasm or just giving up praying for God to show up? Or are you like Hannah, deeply hurt and continues to weep? Saying, God, where are you? How are you responding? When you feel like you've not been picked to play. What's unique about this story in the Gospel of Luke, Luke shines another kind of pain that sometimes we might overlook. It's the pain of Zechariah. Right, this, this couple is struggling uh, with infertility. They can't have kids. Zechariah and Elizabeth have been married for years. And I mentioned earlier that Zechariah worked as a priest in the temple. He was dedicated to God's work. So as a young man, he would have been working in the temple for years to come. We've heard him as a righteous person, as one who was called, who was picked. This day, he was picked to give incense, to be in the holy of holies, and to offer worship before the living God. Remember his age. He was an old man when he was picked. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah. So this is how it worked as to who was going to be picked to go into the holy of holies. There were 24 teams of priests that served the temple. 24 different teams that served the temple. 24 different teams that served the temple. And each month, one team was picked to offer prayers during the temple. And Zechariah, over and over again, every time his team was picked, he was never picked to go into the Holy of Holies. He was never picked to go into the Holy of Holies. And now in his older age, he gets picked. Imagine all those years of being overlooked. Imagine all those years of being overlooked. All those years of being overlooked. Maybe somebody younger got picked. And he wasn't. They would put their names in a jar. And then they would pick it out. Somebody older than him might have been picked. Somebody who was less qualified than him was, might have been picked. All these years. Zechariah was not picked to go into the temple. How do we feel when we feel like 
we have been overlooked and not fed. It is in this context the angel enters the story. And the angel has a message for Zechariah. But before the message is shared with Zechariah, the angel tells him, do not be afraid. Those are the first words out of the angel's mouth. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And finally, your prayers have been answered. After all these years of prayers, your prayers have been answered and you have a child and this child will do amazing things. Do not be afraid. I love that this story of Zechariah reminds us about the angel. And the angel tells us what is going to happen, how God is going to use her son, Zechariah's son, to be a prophet, to go before and declare the word of Christ. Your prayers have been answered. And Zechariah goes, how can I believe you? And, and the angel says, because I said so. Friends, this is a good news for those who are in despair. This is a good news for those who are in despair this morning. The God that we worship is a God that shows up in our times of despair, in our times of pain, and it is the God who shows up again and again and again. Again, we see that God showed up in Zechariah's life. He showed up in Zechariah's life. Where are you? How are you responding to despair? Are you sarcastically laughing, saying, I've given it up. I'm not doing it. Are you still heartbroken and weeping before God? I want you to hear these words, and I want to remind you this morning, the God we worship says, do not be afraid. The prayers that you're praying for will be answered. God brings hope in the midst of despair. Friends, this morning, you might not be in a place of despair, but you might know someone who's in a place of despair. This morning, the scriptures challenge us to be that angel who reaches out to those who are in despair and tells them and reminds them that we worship a God who shows up in our time of need. We worship a God who gives us hope. Friends, if you know someone who is going through a difficult time, I would like you to call them, reach out to them, that you would talk to them. Send them a text messages saying that we worship a God of hope in the midst of our despair. In the back as you're leaving, we have some postcards as well. If you'd like to write a card to somebody and there are some stamps available there as well, you can pick up a card and a stamp and mail it to their homes. You can share this on social media. Let us be the ones who communicate hope to those around us. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word, that you're a God who shows up in our despair and in our pain. God, we ask that you would be present with us, that you would guide us and lead us in all that we do. In your name we pray, amen.